You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Vera Bittner, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. Today we're broadcasting live from the National Lipid Association meeting in Chicago, Illinois, and we'll be speaking with Dr. John R. Krauss, MD, Professor of Medicine and Public Health Sciences at Wake Forest University, Winston-Salem. Robin, thank you very much for joining us, and today I'd like to ask you some questions about a study that I know you're intimately familiar with, which is the Accord study. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, glucose-lowering arm uh, in the media, and more recently we've got some of the data regarding the lipid-lowering arm. Could you kind of talk with us a little bit about how the study was designed with regard to lipids and some of the basic results? Yes, surely. This was a study that was actually designed by the National Institute of Health to answer three important questions about patients with diabetes. The first one, and the data from this first study have been published, was whether or not more aggressive control of diabetes led to improvement in heart attacks and angina and revascularizations and so on and so forth. So the first question was whether if we treated diabetes more aggressively, that is down to a hemoglobin A1C of 6, we could actually improve their prognosis over individuals who had a hemoglobin A1C higher at 7. And the other two questions were really related to two common side effects of patients with diabetes. That is a particular kind of lipid abnormality characterized by high triglycerides and low HDL, and also to a common side effect of diabetes, that is high blood pressure. So the high blood pressure study asked whether blood pressures of 120 were better than blood pressures of 140, and the lipid trial asked whether treating patients with diabetes with an agent that improves their triglycerides and raises their HDL, namely a fibrate, in addition to a statin, did better than treating patients with a statin alone. So the study that I was most involved in was the lipid study, asking whether treating patients with a fibrate, in this case phenofibrate, in addition to a statin, in this case uh, simvastatin, did improve their coronary outcomes, their heart outcomes, compared to treatment with a statin alone. So, Robin, can you fill us in with the baseline lipids? I was interested in the fact that this group of diabetics really had not terribly high triglycerides, not the type of patients we might usually add phenofibrate to a statin. Can you tell us a little bit about the baseline characteristics and then the treatment? The baseline LDL cholesterol of this population was really fairly low, and that was probably because a lot of them were already on a statin at the time that they were enrolled into the study. And that may also have played a role in their triglycerides. We know that statins lower triglycerides to a certain extent also. So these patients were already treated when they got into the study. And their LDL cholesterol, I think, was below 115. It may have been around 115, 120, something like that. Their triglycerides were not in the range of 500 or 400, like you might see with patients with hypertriglyceridemia and diabetes, but rather, I don't know, maybe 300, something, that level of hypertriglyceridemia. And their HDL cholesterols were around 40, I think, 
it's interesting that obviously you know the results, which was that the addition of phenofibrate to statins didn't seem to have an impact on cardiovascular events across the broad population. But I also know that you looked at some subgroup analysis in these patients with maybe a higher triglyceride level. Can you tell us a little bit about the results of the trial and some of the subgroup analyses? Yes, I think that from the standpoint of the subgroups that were looked at, and we did look at a number of different subgroups, including those with high triglycerides, those with low HDL, those who were treated with aggressive diabetes therapy and not so aggressive diabetes therapy, and so on and so forth. But the most interesting group was the group that you might expect to be beneficially affected by a fibrate, which was the group with low levels of HDL and high triglycerides. What we did was to pick the population, and this was a pre-specified population that we picked, pick the population with the triglycerides in the highest fifth of the population and the HDL in the lowest fifth of the population for study. And in that group, there was a borderline effect of the fibrates to improve events. It was 0.056, which doesn't quite reach statistical significance, but is very, very close. And I think the difficulty in showing a statistically significant effect in this day and age results from the fact that today we can only really talk about treating patients who are already on treatment with a statin. All of these patients had baseline background statin treatment and statin treatment throughout the trial that was provided by the trial. So we provided them with background statin therapy, and we know that that has a very important effect to reduce events in patients with diabetes. So this was testing whether the addition of a fibrate to the statins had a further effect, and that is more difficult to show that effect in that population, but on the other hand, that's the real world. That's the world we're dealing with, and so this does give us some information about what the effect of adding a fibrate to that population would be. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMDXM160. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host. Our guest today is Dr. John R. Krauss, Professor of Medicine and Public Health Sciences at Wake Forest University, and we're talking about the lipid-lowering arm of the ACCORD study and the clinical importance of the data. The world has definitely changed on these kind of interventions, hasn't it, because no longer is it ethical to use a placebo control in high-risk individuals. Maybe studies like Improve It that are statins plus azetamide, you know, are, are going to be in question. Whether or not the result shows something may be secondary to what you just described. You're using a very potent drug that is known to reduce events as a control group. And now you have to have a lot more patients and a lot more years, right, to show a yes. benefit of a additive therapy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So with that said, I don't think everybody realizes that the subgroup that you described was pre-specified, so scientifically it should be very valid. And that a p-value of 0.05 versus 0.056 means that instead of 95% likelihood it wasn't a random event, it's 94.4% likely that it wasn't a random event. We kind of cut things off at that 0.05 as if it's a hard and fast Yes, number. I think editors of journals are more interested in those things than you and I as clinicians, perhaps. So I was interested in the fact that the other population, the rest of the population that didn't fall into that high triglyceride group, was not a population that we would traditionally give fibrates to anyway because their triglycerides weren't all that high. 
But in light of some of the earlier data about phenofibrate reducing diabetes endpoints, do you have any insight into whether that's going to be looked at, such as small vessel disease, retinopathy, and things like that? There is a publication which is pending from the ACCORD study that is going to look at microvascular disease and neuropathy, retinopathy, all of the other concomitants of diabetes are subjects of other publications that are going to be coming out later this year. So I wonder if you could comment, there were several surprises to me in this trial, not just the lipid-lowering arm, but, you know, traditionally we've always felt that lowering blood pressure in a diabetic should give you a much better benefit in cardiovascular outcomes than a non-diabetic, and that aggressive glucose control at some point might show a reduction in cardiovascular events. Do you think that the reason that we had kind of a negative result on these arms was related to the background statin therapy, or do you think maybe some of these multiple variables that were tried to be looked at in one study may have confounded each other in terms of the results? I think it does make it more difficult. It's certainly efficient to do to test several outcomes in one study, but it also does make it more complicated to untangle the results at the end of the day. I think that possibly the reason that these outcomes were not significant and the blood pressure outcome was not significant as well, except for the stroke outcome, but it was not significant for coronary events. I think the reason is that this population was so well treated. I mean, not only were they well treated with drugs, but they also came into the clinic to see nurse educators and diabetes educators and were followed by physicians who had a special interest in diabetes and the complications of diabetes. This patient population was very, very well followed and very well taken care of. And I think it's probably that is one of the important reasons that it was difficult to show effects in this population. We know that previous studies, for instance, with another fibrate, gemfibrozil, have shown benefit for coronary disease, but that is in patients where the gemfibrozil was compared with no treatment, essentially, a control group that was not treated with a fibrate or a statin. So nowadays, we have to ask a different question, a more clinically relevant question, which is, does it help to treat a patient who's already on a statin? And it's more difficult to show an effect there. Did you notice that the baseline event rates were fairly low in the trial compared to what you might expect for the standard diabetic Yeah, the event rates in this population were fairly low relative to a population. It was sort of at the lower level of what we would expect for a diabetic population. We think a diabetic population might have about a 20% 10-year event rate, and I think this was just about that. It was about 18 or 19%. It was somewhat below the event rate expected, but it was in the range. That's why we were able to show the effects that we were able to show. For our non-lipid geek audience members, people listening to this show who don't live and eat and breathe lipids like we do, what takeaway points could you give us from the Accord that people should consider in their practice, and where would you consider the role of phenofibrate in the diabetic patient? Well, I still believe that the fibrates are useful, if not mandatory, in patients who have high triglycerides, very high triglycerides. That doesn't necessarily come from the Accord study, but I mean, I believe that fibrates are drugs that we have that are useful in patients who have high triglycerides. So that certainly is one thing that we certainly don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The fibrates are good drugs. We certainly didn't show any adverse effects of fibrates in this population. We didn't show that there was any higher risk of coronary events or stroke or anything like that with fibrates. 
So I think that the fibrate therapy for hypertriglyceridemic patients is still very sound. I think that there is a question that's raised, and I think that, again, I, I am inclined to treat patients with moderate elevations of triglycerides and low HDL, the population in that highest 20% and lowest 20% with a fibrate in addition to a statin in my diabetic patients. I think there's a rationale for that, and as you say, it's not a very, very great difference at all. I think there certainly is room to use a fibrate in that population of patients. I think that fibrates are drugs that are easy to tolerate. They're drugs that are easy to give to patients. Patients take them very well. The other drug that we have that raises HDL and better than fibrates and lowers triglycerides is niacin, of course, but niacin is a drug that is difficult to give to patients with diabetes because it does make their diabetes worse. So I think that this does add to our acceptance of, of vibrates in combination with statins in this patient population. Finally, Robin, are you aware of any other studies that are going to be done for cardiovascular event reduction in people with higher triglyceride levels than the baseline in this study? This is something we've all been waiting for, but are there any studies planned to look at that specifically? Um, I'm not aware of that. There is another study that's ongoing that is like this, and that's the so-called AIM-HIGH study. And that is asking a similar question, adding niacin to a statin in patients at higher risk than these patients, not necessarily in patients with diabetes. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking time from the NLA meeting and your insights on the Accord data. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.